And this Go. ball in the air, deep right center Go. field. Two-run home run, Trevor Story. Way back, Myers, he'll watch it go Chuck Nasty. Two-run home run, David Dahl. And Nolan drives this high in the air, deep left field. Take a good look, you won't see it for long. I don't want to lose your love tonight. Welcome in to the DNVR Rockies podcast, brought to you by StravaCraft Coffee. Do remember to use that promo code DNVR20 because you save 20% off on your entire purchase of that CBD-infused, deliciously rich and potentially life-altering StravaCraft Coffee. I am your host, Drew Creaseman. I am the managing editor of DNVR Rockies. Excuse me. I've already got a little bit of a crump in my throat, and it's just because I can't quite swallow my Breck brew quite correctly, but I suppose we could also pretend that to some degree it is in memoriam over the end of the Colorado Rockies season. I'm your host, Drew Creaseman. I'll be hanging out here with you between the two games of the doubleheader here. Uh, I think Patrick Lyons will be along here before too long. But with a 4 to nothing loss at the hands of the Arizona Diamondbacks, and once again, Zach Gallen, who just continues to be pretty remarkable and overall underrated pitcher in the game of baseball, um, they get shut out. The season ends not with a bang, but with a whimper. And uh, <laughs> tough one there, friends. Uh, you know, there's as far as the game goes, it was it was pretty basic and simple. You know, Sensatella wasn't terrible by any means. He faltered briefly there in the third, uh, a two out rally where the Diamondbacks managed to score three runs. Really threw one what I would call bad pitch. Christian Walker that went for a two-run jack. And beyond that, Senzatella was mostly fine. Not his best stuff, not his worst stuff. He was fine. He kept the Rockies, or he could have kept the Rockies in just about any other game. This is the last guy you want to see when you need to, like, win out to save your season. Um, Zach Gallen's just too good a pitcher to come up against and blink in any way and so not only were the Rockies unable to find a way to get at him take advantage of certain breaks that went their way for example Rahimal Tapia reaching to lead off the game on catcher's interference you know finding a way to take advantage of situations like that where you get a base runner against a good pitcher who doesn't give up a ton of base runners because you caught a little bit of luck not able to do anything with it, a few other situations like that throughout the game. But ultimately, it it was just they got dominated by a guy who's often very good, who did have his A stuff, and their starting pitcher did not, wasn't able to match him, you know, shutout inning for shutout inning and and make it a 
see who can finally score a run type of game like we saw Kyle Freeland able to do earlier in the season. Um, and that's it, folks. That's all. Uh, it's, um, you know, the Rockies can still try to find uh, their over on the DraftKings Sportsbook. There's something to play for, getting two more wins out of here. And I know a lot of people took the over, so you, know, you want to get your money. There's taking at least one game so that they don't finish last in the NL West, if that's something you're into. If you don't want to be in the cellar, uh, you, you want to beat these Diamondbacks. Uh, but they are now mathematically eliminated from the playoffs. And, uh, you know, it's, it's, it's a tough one. It's just tough to take all the way around because I know there are a lot of people who never believed in this team who are going to say, I told you so. Um, and to some degree, they, they have every right to do that. Um, there, there are a lot of things that have been heavily criticized about this team that, as it turned out, ended up being problems uh, and, and were exacerbated in this short season and without Nolan Arenado to carry them through it where they've often had a player who's one of the best of all time carrying them through it. He was not that guy this year and they completely fell apart. And, you know, that's not a structurally fundamentally sound team. And there's a lot to be addressed. And, you know, I, I, I said recently, somebody asked on Twitter, you know, Hey, is it time to dive 100% and heavily get into off season talk and, you know, do the whole thing. And we're, we're marching very heavily toward that now. And I've already started to look into the contracts and the numbers and where everybody's at. And, you know, I haven't started looking too much at the free agent class, so I don't have much uh, for you on that yet. But, and I, I know I've said this a couple of times, the, the good news here is that the Rockies will have really for the first time since Jeff Breidich's first offseason as a general manager, they're going to have flexibility, money to spend, roster spots to fill, uh, stuff that they'll just need to do in order to fill out the roster. And it's going to be very fascinating to see which way they go. And if, and I expect they will, they continue to let Jeff Breidich be the one who makes those decisions, it will be interesting to see if he comes through on one thing I've thought of during his tenure, tenure of being a, a young GM, right? And not in terms of his age, like in terms of his experience. And if he's learned from the mistakes, regardless of what he said, and I know everyone wants to flambe the guy for what he says, and fair enough, I care about what he does next. And this is going to be very fascinating. And if he blows it, that, you know, that's it. Um, but let's see what happens. But we'll have plenty of time, you know, here in the next couple of days. Stick with us because we are going to dive into all of that. Like I said, I've been looking at the numbers. I've been looking at the contracts. I've been taking a look to see you know, who's under contract for the next couple of years and where the Rockies will need to fill in terms of major league talent and 
all of those types of things. And it's, there's a lot, there's going to be a, a deep conversation to be had and, and it's going to be fun. And the most interesting thing I think about it is that the core of the team, I think most people agree is actually still pretty good. Um, I think wherever you stand on the how vociferously you think the the rest of the roster is terrible versus my opinion, which is more, uh, they definitely didn't have it in certain spots and the bullpen was a disaster. Some guys don't get enough credit. Certain stats are going to mislead you. But ultimately, they didn't have enough in terms of their supporting cast. Uh, I think most people agree that the core, Arenado, isn't going to have a season this bad again. Story, Blackman, mm-hmm. um, Marquez, Freeland, Gray is a combination of things, especially all those guys still being in their mid-20s. Uh, now, Senzatella, you can kind of add to that as well, right? And all those guys... Mm-hmm. Uh, now, we'll see about Arenado, obviously. That's going to be a, a big question. But all those guys are under contract to come back with Arenado having that opt-out at the end of next year looming over the whole thing, and maybe they decide to trade him before potentially losing him for nothing. Uh, Trevor Story, John Gray are free agents after next season if they are not extended. But just for next year, 2021, Coming back are, to put it broadly speaking to to Rockies fans, the players you like, right? They're all coming back. Also with that, potentially a couple players you don't like so much. I don't think Daniel Murphy's going to be on the team, but they are going to have to buy him out of his contract. And so they're going to pay him a little bit of money. So it's going to be a a hit to their, but not a ton. I think it's $6 Uh, to buy him out. Uh, So that's not a huge hit on your books, and he won't, I don't think, be on the roster. Desmond is the one that's sort of up in the air, and we really don't know. But if he does come back, he won't be making a ton of money. Start doing some interesting things around that. Will they? Will they have the capability? Will they have the knowledge? Will they have the, the aggressiveness? Any of that stuff? I know a lot of people think they already know the answer to those questions, but I'll tell you this, ain't none of you got a crystal ball. Don't none of us know the future. I've been watching way too much Star Trek The Next Generation lately to think that we can just know stuff like that. So let's find out. Let's see where it goes. And like I said, just just hang with us, you know, because it's going to be absolutely fascinating. The Rockies are in a unique spot very few teams have you know strong cores that are all like in their 20s or charlie blackman sorry chuck and now nolan's gonna be you know early 30s but still you're you're not expecting nolan to be bad or or to really you know be aging even in terms of a drop-off next year like he could still have the best year of his career left in him in fact i think nolan arenado does have the best year of his career left in him and uh, certainly offensively. Um, He may start to slow down defensively though. Uh, um, (laughs) And so that's, that's a good place to start. That's a great place to start. 
you just can't bat zero on all the tertiary moves on the rest of the roster. But they'll have another go at it. You know, clean slate almost to try again. And I, for one, will. it's going to tell us a ton about their philosophy, about what they really do. Philosophy? Is that what I just said? Philosophy. What they do, value, all that stuff. And yes, Daniel, if they go and get new coaches, I will tell you this. I fully expect Bud Black to be back next year. But I also fully expect beyond that for there to be a number of coaching changes. Um And I think that there probably should be because I think that they have philosophically done some things poorly throughout the season. And again, we can get into more and more details about that throughout the season. And honestly, since it's brought up and I'll, I'll say this again, and you know, since we're doing this on, you know, just after the, them having been eliminated, if you were asking me, would I try to bring in a new GM at this point? My answer would probably be yes. And while I do think that a lot of the criticisms against Jeff Breidich are frankly personal, I also think that this is a, like I was just saying, a unique point in time to rebuild or or not even have to rebuild, but retool your team and turn yourself immediately into a contender. If you can hit on two or three or maybe four, but a couple of decent sized off season moves, but they can't be Brian Shaw and Jake McGee and Wade Davis and all of that stuff. It's got to be, you got to hit on these. And I think one of them has got to be a bat. And that's tough because there's only a handful of guys who really just come in here and rake. You know, people think it's an easy thing to do. It's not. But they got to go out and find somebody somewhere who can do it. And I think, you know, handing the reins to a kind of redirection to somebody new can be a very good idea. So, yes, if it was up to me, I would. And, again, I think those questions should always be placed in the positive uh you know i think there's certain candidates out there who would be interesting so uh you know i'll mention some of them again i don't think it's likely but we'll go through it very briefly about who would be some interesting gm candidates to come in here and write the ship for the rockies and also some of those people would make interesting team president candidates and that's something that i've long 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 talked about being a major issue that the Rockies don't have someone to be a kind of manager of baseball operations, go between the owner and the GM and the players and the media and fans and just kind of be that, you know, politician, understanding person, but who really does know the game of baseball and can weigh in on the decisions and and, and help people know, but also be that kind of base of, operations um and that's all you know that 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 should all be on the table that should all be discussed and we're going to be doing that throughout the off season i do have to uh give a combined <laughs> combined sponsor toast of my draft kings nope <laughs> toast of my breck kings nope 
Uh, no, toast to my Breck brew to the draft king of the game, Rhyme Altapia. Remember to use that promo code DNVR over there. Now, you, I mean, it's, it's, um, not a lot of candidates <laughs> in this one for draft king of the game. Uh, nobody played a particularly great ball game, but Rhyme Altapia on base four times. We mentioned the catcher's interference and then three singles after that. None of them hit especially hard, but you know, I don't, I don't know how much more I can say. And I've got an article coming up too that's going to throw down all the specific numbers because I've made again the the philosophical, the theoretical points about Rymal Tapia now over and over and over again. And he continues to show it, right? He continues to be the thing. Consistency, good at bats every time, a pain in the ass, gets on base. He causes guys problems. There he is, giving you chances. Giving you chances. Find a way to hit the ball in the gap. He's going to score from first. We've seen it many, many times. He's got elite level speed. He's got elite level contact. Did it again today. And and I can't help but laugh at, at the people I see out there still going, yeah, you know. Nice batting average, but Toppy is not great. They got to go out and get someone who can bat 250 but hit 30 home runs, you know, and strike out 200 times. Again, assuming we have 162 games. Going to be nice getting back to all of the uh, normal (laughs) kind of thresholds for statistics that we've been able to talk about over the years. It's been a weird season for me every time I want to talk about Somebody being like a 2020 guy. Like Trevor could have been a 20. Actually, Trevor was on story to be like on story. Nope. On pace to be like a 30, 30 guy for a minute there. Uh, I haven't checked that pace in a little while, but I wonder, we got to, we got to check this out. How many hits Rymal Tapia was on pace for in a normal season? Because as I've said many times, his WRC plus is never going to be great. But if he keeps doing that, he's a guy you want on your team. He's a guy who would be in any lineup on any team anywhere in baseball with the way he's hitting right now. And and Joseph, like I said earlier, I agree. There's There's got to be some coaching changes. I, I don't think that that necessarily needs to run all the way up to Bud Black, particularly because of the job he's done with this starting pitching core. And that still needing to be an important part of your team, right? Kyle Freeland, John Gray, Herman Marquez, Antonio Senzatella, and then after that, some collection of Peter Lambert, Ryan Castellani, even if you go out and get a veteran starter, which I think should be considered, um, all those young pitchers have come to fruition and, and grown up in the game and gone through ups and downs with Bud Black and they all love and respect and adore him. And it's the best group of starting pitchers in the history of Rockies baseball, which yes, I know the, the bar isn't that high, but a lot of that has to do with the unique challenges that they face. And these pitchers have been better at overcoming those challenges at still a pretty young age than anybody else. And Bud Black has been a big part of that. 
No, they got to do better out of the pen. And, you, you know, that's an offensive woes and certain issues. And, and, and I don't know if some things just need to be, you know, more analytically driven so that if you're not a fan of Bud Black's decisions or lineups, that, again, that's something where if you had a team president, Bud Black could be left to do what he does best, which is be the young pitcher whisperer. And then with maybe some of this lineup stuff that I, I don't know, I'd, I'd have to check the evidence to see, you know, I, I, I said all year that I thought Arnado should be moved down, you know, but if you've got like some guy somewhere else who is making those kinds of decisions. So Arnado didn't have to get mad at Bud Black over the lineup. You've, you've got somebody there going, Hey, the analytics tell us we got to move you down a little bit. We got to move this guy up. We got to, we got to do things a little bit differently. I think that's another way you can get the best out of everybody. But um, yeah, we'll, we'll talk about, uh, we'll, we'll talk about candidates here. And once the season's officially over, we'll jump into specifics on all this. I think we'll do like a, like a money day and then like a GM candidate day and then some like coaching candidates days. And then we'll start looking at free agents and trades and all that stuff. Um, and, and we'll do kind of reports on everybody on the Rockies roster uh, so we can get a real good sense of where they're at, uh, what we should expect out of them moving forward, what their role is on the team. Now Tapia and Fuentes have changed their roles. I think this season Senzatella has changed his role this season. Daniel, I expect them to make a, a shot at bringing back uh, your namesake, Mr. Bard, the poet Daniel Bard. Uh, I would expect them to try to do that and for him to give them a, a reasonable deal and be interested in in doing so. And I think that would be a decent place, you know, to start the rebuilding of your bullpen around Scott Oberg and Daniel Bard. And, you know, Yancy Almonte is still going to be around. Um, Carlos Estevez and Jairo Diaz are still going to be around. And, and those guys are still in their 20s. And I know that they've been very, very frustrating. But with guys who've got stuff like that, you've still got to look for the moments when it clicks for them, but you've got to go out and get insurance and, and better guys and, 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 you know, the best you can to, to better that situation there. Absolutely. But I, I do think that they'll go after uh, bringing back Bard. I think it will depend on like a guy like Kevin Pillar, what he's looking for in free agencies. He's been good for him. You know, I don't, I don't think they're too interested in, in paying for, uh, an outfielder unless they've just really fallen in love with his defense uh, with Desmond coming back, particularly uh, as a right-handed outfielder. Uh, not that it, his defense is as good as Pilar's. It's not Pilar's is much, much better. And that, you know, that would be a little disappointing, but you can probably find better use of that money there. Um, yeah. Hey, speaking of better use of your money, you don't have to spend any money to sign up for WGT golf and you can win some this weekend in our first DNVR major. So head over to dnvrgolf.com. Make sure you download WGT golf totally for free on your phone or laptop. Then you can get into one of our clubhouses at DNVR and join us. Talk some trash. And if you win, you can win like 200 bucks. I think even third place, you get some t-shirts and some cool DNVR swag. You got to come hang out with us 
on the digital golf course. Download it totally for free today at dnvrgolf.com. Uh, a little too much, a little too late again, asking has there ever been a series talk of moving, changing Coors Field fences to make a oh, serious talk of uh, moving the fences in to make it more pitcher friendly. You know, my understanding is that every once in a while that's brought up. And that's another thing that I think we should dive into in the off season. It's something I've always been a proponent of. Actually, um, I had somebody explain to me once that uh, you, you achieve basically the same thing, but rather than moving the fences in, you, you actually move like home plate up a little bit and then readjust everything. Same basic idea. You've got to make the outfield smaller. It's too, it's hell on your pitchers. It's hell on your outfield defenders. It's, uh, it's just an absolute nightmare. And it, it, it makes games take longer. It, it inflates all the ERAs like we talked about. It, there, there's so many things about the big outfield. And if you do it, of course, you know, the counter argument is, is unfortunately simple, right? There, there's two things. One, you will give up more home runs. And that's just, that's just going to happen. Um, unless Will, now Will's got a solution for that I'll get into in a second. But uh, the other thing is, if you bring in the fences at Coors Field, 29 other fan bases in baseball are going to go, what the hell? Because they're, they're in their minds, right? Coors Field is still this launching pad, absolute joke of an offensive ballpark. And if you bring the fences in, everyone's going to go, oh my God, they're making it even more of an offensive ballpark. And I don't think that it would have that effect, actually. Um, especially if you could figure out a way to implement Will's idea. But there's problems here, Will. He says, taller walls, more foul territory. Now, the taller walls is interesting. And I think that could do, and that, that's part of the um, reasoning behind the Breitich barrier, right? Which was correct in my estimation. And you could have some sort of extension of that around the park if you, if you bring the fences in. So guys really got to hit it up to get it out. And the more foul territory, I also think, would really help out your pitchers, as we see in places like San Diego and Oakland. Um, the difficulty there is that you got to take out seats. And I don't think that's going to happen, right? That's a, that's a money thing, right? That's, that's, that's a difficult thing to sell any owner on doing. Um, but the taller walls is maybe something that we could come up with the just the right situation where you can bring in the fences, raise the walls so that you prevent too many more home runs. But ultimately, uh, if a guy hits a home run, he lined you up, you know, and it's the it's all the bloopy, dinky, doinky hits like the ones we saw in that game against John Gray or uh, for John Gray against the Diamondbacks at Coors early in the year. It was just like, come on, man, I'm making my pitches. I'm breaking bats. These guys are stepping in the bucket or they're hitting it off the end of the bat. And everything's just falling in because my outfielders have to cover the football field. Each one of them has their own football field 
<laughs> not, not quite that, but yeah, it's, um, yeah. And will, you're right. If, if that's, I think that's why the person said to me what they said, you move center or you move home plate forward a little bit more and readjust everything that actually naturally will create more foul territory. That's why you do it that way rather than just bring in, uh, defenses, right? Because you, in a lot of those places, you can't, and actually just think about the way Coors Field is set up. Like that would be just from a construction standpoint, very difficult to just like adjust all of the fencing out there. It's all a little bit different. So yeah, move home plate forward about 10 feet and then redraw the lines. And then, and then yeah, raise the walls in a couple of spots. Absolutely. Kenneth, I will get to you about specific free agents. We'll maybe do that day one of the offseason just to do something fun and start talking about pitchers and stuff. Because I do want to do that stuff. I don't want to leave out Patrick Lyons for one and for two. Uh, I, I do just have a weird, like, I've already done, I mean, I've been talking offseason here for a minute now, obviously. But there's a certain respect for the season that's still going on and, and to jump right into the free agent stuff while there are still like, they're about to play another game. Uh, <laughs> so, you know, I'm going to sign off here in just a minute, but I, yeah, day one that the Rockies are officially out, they're no longer playing. We'll jump into specific free agents, how they would or wouldn't fit um, you know, all the money all that kind of good stuff. So that's an interesting question from a little too much, a little too late. Again, is the Hideo Nomo? No, no. Hideo Nomo. No, no. One of the top three marvels in Coors field history. I'd have to, I would have to think on some of the greatest marvels in Coors field history. That that's a great word too. And that's an, that's an excellent category. Just sort of the, most amazing things that have happened there, right? Um, yes, I would. Yes, the, anybody throwing a no hitter at Coors Field—that's a marvel, in, indeed. And uh, the fact that nobody else has done it before or since no mo no nos since no mo's no no. Remarkably impressive. I, I can't imagine it would get knocked out of the top three, but I'd I'd have to think. Pretty long and hard about that. So I'm going to do that a little bit here as we get back and watch the second game of this doubleheader. Obviously, it doesn't hold as much meaning right now, but Antonio Santos on the hill for the Rockies with a clean slate, the first start of his career, see what he can do, maybe settle in, lower pressure environment. He was throwing some wicked stuff last year at the Arizona Fall League. We haven't seen that kind of stuff out of him at the big league level, so let's go find out. Thank you all for hanging out with us here on the live on the YouTube. Make sure you subscribe to the YouTube channel. Make sure that you click on that bell icon so that you get a notification wherever we're going, whenever we're going live. Uh, make sure you're hanging out with us on social media at Drew Creaseman at Patrick D. Lyons. You give a subscribe to the DNVR.com so you don't miss out on any of that written content and you just continue to be absolutely awesome out there. I will continue to be absolutely Drew Creaseman in here, and until next time, see you at the ballpark.